You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 71. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 21 through chapter 4, verse 7. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you but you should rule over it. Father, as we begin today, uh, would you address what Eve says in chapter 4, verse 1, regarding uh, the birth of Cain? She says that she acquired a man from the Lord, and that seems to me a very peculiar way to speak about the birth (laughs) of a child. Is there any significance to uh, what Eve says here? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm glad you picked that up. It's indeed very strange for Eve to say that she acquired a man from the Lord. And I always ask women uh, if when they became pregnant, they became excited because they acquired a child. And of course, none of them indicate that was the case. So this whole notion of acquiring a child is very odd. And I should point out this translation that you use, which I believe is from the New King James Version, is actually accurate. It's the best translation of that passage. It's not a mistranslation, as you might think. In fact, there are many mistranslations into English, but they mistranslate because they make this statement sound more normal. So, for example, the NIV, New International Version, says, With the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man. And, I mean, this is, to me, just a tragic translation. It's a translation that implicitly or explicitly reads into the text, and incorrectly, I might add. And so what is the purpose of this uh, odd statement by Eve that she had acquired a man? Yeah, so taking a quick step back for just a minute, it's important to note that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are an introduction to the entire Bible. It's in chapter 11 that you then transition to the detailed story of Israel. And then even within the first 11 chapters, chapters 1 through 4 really encompass the primary biblical teachings. 
Now, of course, some of you might want to cheat and only read Genesis 1 through 4, but that's not going to work because you only understand Genesis 1 through 4 after reading the rest of the Bible. So uh, what then is the, uh, the main biblical theme that's being highlighted here with this, this, uh, this strange statement of Eve? What's being highlighted is that the Bible is systematically opposed to the human pursuit of acquisitions of possessions. Because when we become possessive, then it means this is mine and not yours. And in viewing the world this way, this possessiveness, it becomes the root of essentially every human conflict and every human war. And as we discussed last week, this is part of what we do during Lent in the Orthodox Church. We go back to the roots, back to the beginning, back to the core. And so in reading the opening chapters of Genesis at the beginning of Lent, we get to one of the main themes of Lent, which is being anti-possessive. Maybe uh, you can speak about that a little more, this idea of Lent and being anti-possessive. Sure. So if you look at the root of all interhuman conflict, you see it comes down to us being possessive. Sometimes it's being possessive with objects. Sometimes it's being possessive with our time. And sometimes it's just being possessive with our will. And what do you mean by that? Let me give you an example. So you have a conflict with your spouse. What's the root of that conflict? Almost always, it's you want something. You have a will. And she wants something. She has a will. And because you're both possessive at your core, something we all struggle with, something we should be working on during Lent, then you have conflict. Because neither of you wants to give up his or her will. You're possessive in what you want. I'll give another example. Almost every time I find myself getting frustrated with my kids, why is that? Well, if I examine the root of the problem, it's because I want something and I'm possessive with my will. And my kids, who obviously need and desire my attention, who often, for one reason or another, pull me away from something I might rather be doing, when they do that, often unknowingly, they're creating a little battle within me. Will I be possessive about what I want to do? Or will I give up my will to take care of their needs? And so I try to remind myself that I try to teach parents about it when I hear they're struggling with this same issue. When we get frustrated with our children, the root cause is that they have caused us to give up our will. And that is why the raising of children can help lead to our salvation, because we're so often forced to give up our will, our own desires. Now, we have to be sure that we understand that we're still parents, of course. We still have to instruct the children. We still have to teach the children right from wrong. So we never, ever abdicate that role. We heard in last week's podcast the teaching from Proverbs that God is like a father and that a good and loving father sometimes chastens and corrects his children. We have to do that also. But, this is a big qualifier, we have to do that not out of frustration or because our children are inconveniencing us. No, we do it with patience and with love because we know they need to be trained up. And in doing so, we set an example for them not to be annoyed when we have to give up our will, but to do so with patience and love. Uh, appreciate those, uh, those practical ac- examples, Father. Thank you. And quickly going back to Cain, what more, if anything, can you say about this very strange notion that Cain was acquired? Yeah, so getting back to the story of Cain, a couple of things to point out. First of all, the name Cain means to be acquired. This is 
why I've said many times the names in Scripture mean things. We should pay attention to that because there's usually something in those names that would help us understand the story. So Cain means to be acquired. Eve said she acquired a son. The second thing to note then is the story of Cain. Cain, the acquisition, the one who represents in the story possessiveness, goes on to murder his brother Abel. And like I said, you see then that possessiveness, this constant pursuit that we humans have of acquiring more and more and more is the root cause of human strife, of human war. It leads to Cain murdering his own brother. And then the final thing I would point out looking ahead of today's reading, you have Cain, the eldest son, who normally then would be part of the genealogy as the eldest, but he's not in the Bible. He ends up being replaced by Seth. And the reason for that is because Seth was posited or appointed by God, as it will say later in Scripture, and that's what his name means, to be appointed. And so we find out through this story that God's will is done not when we acquire by our own means, but by God's appointment, by what God posits with us. It's really a beautiful story. Thanks for elaborating on that, Father. And the final thing I wanted to discuss today uh, is later in our reading, we hear about Cain and Abel bringing an offering to the Lord. And Abel's offering was respected, but Cain's was not. Would you explain why the Lord accepted one offering but not the other? Yeah, there are two things going on here as well that I'd want to point out. Both of them are foundational. Both of them, as with our first point on possessiveness as it relates to Cain, are fundamental underlying biblical themes. And the first thing to note is what is said about those offerings. And specifically, as it relates to Cain, the text says, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So, okay, at first glance, doesn't seem like much. But then the text moves on to Abel and says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So the difference then must be that Abel brought of the firstborn. Absolutely. That's the key difference, the distinguisher between the two. Throughout the Bible, we're taught to give of our first fruits or of our firstborn because it requires putting our trust in God for the rest. Would you elaborate on that a little more, Father? Yeah, I appreciate you asking for the clarification because most of us no longer live in an agrarian mindset. But the first fruits means the first fruits that would appear. So let's say with grapes, the first fruits are the first grapes that appear on the vine. It's a sign that that vine is coming to life and most likely there will be more to come. But the point is you don't know that. It's just what normally happens. Let's say the weather gets bad or there's a fire or some other way the vine gets destroyed. Well, then you're out of luck with the rest. All you have is the first fruit. And so by offering the first fruits to the Lord as your offering, you're trusting that he will provide you with the rest. You're operating on the basis of faith because it's entirely possible that the rest of the fruits will not come. And then obviously then the same with the firstborn will. One was born, but something could happen that the others won't be born, or that animal who bore that kid will not be able to bear others. So you're operating again on the basis of faith, and that's why God respects Abel's offering. It was made on faith. It was the firstborn, whereas with Cain's offering, it was not made on the basis of faith. It was, so to speak, the leftovers, the extra, making sure he already had enough. 
and that uh, not how we should operate. We should operate on the basis of faith, and so we make our offering based on the first fruits. And what was the second point that you mentioned about the difference between Cain and Abel? Oh yes, the second point is much more subtle. It's why I said at the beginning, virtually everything is in the first four chapters of Genesis, but you must read the rest of the Bible to understand it. Cain is a farmer, a tiller of the ground, it says. Abel is a shepherd. And throughout the Bible, God is, of course, referred to as a shepherd, and the shepherd way of life is glorified as the ideal. And why is that? Because the shepherd is two things. First, the shepherd is a wanderer, which means he's not possessive. He does not attach himself to a piece of land, to a piece of real estate. He goes wherever God, through his sheep, lead him wherever there is a place for the sheep to graze. And the shepherds often have to work together instead of competing. But you see, the farmer or the tiller of the ground is different. The farmer has to be attached to real estate. The farmer is immobile. The farmer is competitive. He's possessive. Because if anyone takes away his property, you see it belongs to him, then it threatens his livelihood. And so these two principles are important in the Bible. We learn through Scripture that we can worship God anywhere. We don't have to be attached to a certain locale. We don't have to be on a certain piece of real estate. And we learn that God gives us material things not to possess, not to own, but to share with others who need those things also. Thank you, Father. Today's discussion began by addressing what Eve says in Genesis 4 regarding the birth of Cain. Eve says that she acquired a man from the Lord. And as Father Aaron explained, this seemingly peculiar way of stating Cain's birth has a purpose. Here, one of the main biblical themes is presented, which is the Bible's systematic opposition to the pursuit of possessions. We see this in Cain's name itself, which means to be acquired. And so the son who represents possessiveness in the story goes on to murder his brother Abel. This possessiveness can manifest itself in many ways, not only with objects, but also with our time and our will. We then discuss the offerings of Cain and Abel and why God respected one and not the other. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, while Abel brought of the firstborn of the flock. And throughout the Bible, we are taught to give of our first fruits, for this requires putting our trust in God for the rest of our needs. Here, Abel demonstrated his trust, while Cain merely gave from his excess. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. Oh, our God.